Hey, it's your host, April. This show, The High Guide, talks about altered states of consciousness brought on by cannabis and psychedelics and is intended for audiences 21 and over. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you like what you hear, please leave us a rating, a review, or a heart wherever you listen to podcasts. And lastly, I'm not a medical professional. If you are experiencing any mental or physical health concerns, please seek a licensed medical professional. In a clinical setting where we're monitoring people, we have the capacity to give a higher dose um, because there it's you know there are safety uh, precautions when you're there making sure somebody's okay. Um, that um, you know I don't think would be advisable to do in a in a home based setting. Hey, I'm April Pride, your host on the High Guide Podcast. This is the show for women who have an open and curious mind, and this is a show all about women changing their lives thanks to altered states of consciousness. At the top of the show, you heard from Dr. Bridget Carnahan, who you'll hear more from on today's episode as we learn about the four primary administrations of ketamine, intramuscular, or IM, intravenous, or IV, nasal spray, and sublingual lozenges. Have you wondered which ketamine is right for you? In today's episode, we're going to get into the specifics related to dose, duration, frequency, bioavailability, budget, desired outcome, and condition for which treatment is being sought with the three women, including two medical experts you've met this season. This is an episode not to be missed if the first five episodes piqued your curiosity and now you're ready to start a more brass tacks investigation into ketamine-assisted therapy. But first, our word of the week, and stay tuned to the Almost In for our trip tips. Optimization, the action of making the best or most effective use of a situation or resource. As optimization relates to psychedelics, you know that Bradley Cooper movie Limitless? (laughs) I'm kidding. Choosing to intentionally experiment with psychedelics for optimization is another way of saying, although I may not have a diagnosis, it doesn't mean that I don't want to affect incremental improved change across my life from stamina to creativity to output to attitude. This is achieved by consuming a specific psychedelic medicine at a dose consistent with desired outcome throughout the day. Of course, medicines can be layered, all in the name of optimization. Ketamine companies today cannot prescribe for optimization. Doctors need to prescribe ketamine-assisted therapy for qualifying conditions such as depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And while platforms like WonderMed and FieldTrip, which we've discussed this season on The High Guide, have chosen not to treat patients seeking support for substance use disorder, lots of underground therapists and facilitators are treating patients for this. And the purpose of adding ketamine to a therapy session is to, you guessed it, optimize the time between therapist and patient. So what happens when there's no therapist? No way that could happen, you say. Well, it did. The biggest shift in ketamine is the rise of telehealth medicine as a result of COVID-era regulation changes that affected telehealth medicine and made it possible for companies like WonderMed, MindBloom, New Life, and more to reach exponentially more new patients, shipping low-dose lozenges delivered to your door legally. Kaya Roman starts us off by reminding us how abruptly life changed for all of us in 2020. During the pandemic, all the ketamine clinics had to shut down because it was COVID and, you know, everything was shutting down. So all these people who relied on ketamine to help them with their depression and their anxiety and um, just, you know, being able to manage life couldn't get their medicine. 
Kaya wasn't the only person realizing that a lot of people are going to need a new way of communicating with their doctors. And telehealth shot into effect at lightning bolt speed. The FDA revised regulations around telehealth medicine, making it easier for medical professionals to opt to treat patients remotely in this way. They had to make these changes specifically for Medicaid and Medicare patients. You may have heard the recent news that some COVID-19 era emergency declarations are slated to end in this May. Slated to end this May. According to the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023, telehealth is an extended flexibility through December 31st, 2024. Listen as Kaya shares how she was the absolute right person to build Keta MD, an at-home telehealth ketamine company, as COVID-19 settled in. I was one of the first people as a consultant at the beginning with Doctor On Demand, which is one of the very first telemedicine platforms. Keta MD is an app on your phone. We built it during the pandemic so that people could have access to this treatment at home. And I think it's pretty amazing, actually, that um, these services exist where you can, if you get the dosage right in a lozenge and you have someone in your home making sure that you're safe and you have a nurse over telemedicine watching over you, you can actually pretty closely replicate the experience that you would have in a clinic. But when you're depressed... Uh, It's pretty hard to leave your house, so you can do it in the comfort of your home and also reduce the cost. We'll get into the cost of the different administrations in today's Trip Tips. Kaya continues here and explains what a patient can expect when a ketamine lozenge arrives at their doorstep. The lozenges that we use at Keta MD, they're called a trochee, look like a little starburst. They melt in your mouth. We have people hold them in their mouth for 10 minutes and the medicine absorbs in the mucosa on the inside of your cheeks and under your tongue. That's called sublingual administration. As I've shared with you this season, at home, low-dose lozenges is the only ketamine I've consumed. The platform I worked with is WonderMed. I've linked to WonderMed's eligibility survey in the show notes of this episode. After completing WonderMed's eligibility survey, enter code THEHIGHGUIDE at checkout for 20% off your first four at-home ketamine lozenges. While there is support from medical professionals prior and following treatment, I felt WonderMed's ketamine was best used in conjunction with my routine therapy sessions. Scheduling psychotherapy 24 to 48 hours following a ketamine treatment. WonderMed's lead clinician, Lauren Swanson, goes on to explain the protocol for treatment with its telehealth ketamine service. Patients take it every week. The reason why we decided upon that frequency is because that is approximately the neuroplastic window. It it can vary from individual to individual, so it could be as little as three to four days, maybe even over seven days, but generally about a week. And so the idea is that you do take that every week, you know, so that we're not losing any opportunities with the uh, neuroplasticity. Have a patient that does have severe depression, we do recommend that they don't, even though they're feeling really good, at least they see it through for the month without spacing it out. But you're not going to have a regression of, of, you know, symptoms because you stop for a couple weeks. If you're curious to learn more about neuroplasticity, check out last week's episode titled, How Does Ketamine Affect the Brain? Lauren goes on to compare the onset of sublingual ketamine lozenges with the most common administration of ketamine, an IV infusion. 
Yes. So it actually is because of how quick it enters your bloodstream. So when you have an IV administration, it's immediate because they have the needle, the catheter in your arm, in your bloodstream. Versus a lozenge, it has to go through a different absorption pathway. It takes longer to hit your bloodstream and it's more of a gradual transition there. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes. And so it is more mild. It is easier. Side effect profile is less too. It can be less nausea, which is a common side effect that a lot of people experience in those higher dose versions in the clinic. While the lower dose typical of a lozenge can help to mitigate nausea, an IV bag usually includes an anti-nausea med. Kaya Roman goes on to explain more about dosing ketamine with an IV, which is the standard of care and what most ketamine clinics use. You have a needle in your arm and it's giving you an amount of ketamine. Usually they'll mix in an anti-nausea medication too, which is nice. And in a small percentage of people experience nausea with ketamine. I think it's easier for them to control the dosing that way. They can give you more or they can dial it back. They can give you more after a certain amount of time. Let's say you go for half an hour and then they see you're coming back. They can up the dosage. That one is a little bit easier to control. Titrating your ketamine dose and, of course, the added benefit of anti-nausea meds isn't the only benefit of an IV. Dear listeners, I'm sure there's not one of you who's found themselves on the absolute wrong side of a hangover, only to later find yourself on the right side of an IV therapy infusion. Because drinking water was like using a hose to tame a house of flame. Just like Lauren said, the IV is straight to the bloodstream. You're getting all the good stuff immediately. And this is where another key difference in these administrations lies, bioavailability. If you've been following along with me for a while, then you know that like ketamine, the consumption method you choose for cannabis will also determine the amount of THC or CBD absorbed into your body. Listen to this show, listen on as Kaya explains what this means for ketamine absorption. Sublingual administration compared to those other ones that are going straight into the bloodstream, it's only about 25% bioavailability. So if you're taking a 200 milligram trochee, you're maybe getting 50 milligrams of ketamine, whereas an injection might be 150 milligrams of ketamine. And a lot of times people, clinicians, doctors, they're, they're not wanting to prescribe really high dose trochees because people are doing it at home. They don't want them passing out or getting nauseous or As bioavailability pertains to the produced effect, the high, we'll come back to this later in the episode. Because like many of us have experienced, getting to your right high may require moments of discomfort. Kaya, who received both an IV ketamine treatment and an intramuscular ketamine treatment, think needle, syringe, a shot, she goes on. I was very aware of this needle in my arm the whole time. And that kind of kept me anchored in my body. And it was like kind of uncomfortable and painful. And I just hate having needles in my arm. So for that reason, I didn't like it. And then when I had the intermuscular injection, it was quite similar, but without the needle. So I liked it better. However, it was a little harder to control the dosage. You blast off really fast. Did you catch what Kaya is saying here? The consistently monitored and consistent dose provided by an IV drip produces the ideally dosed ketamine experience, yet the physical distraction and discomfort was in conflict with an overall ideal experience. She goes on to explain how her ketamine-assisted therapy session administered intramuscularly, or IM, is too powerful to remember, so to speak. 
I know that I had a profound experience, but when I came back, I didn't remember anything. It's not necessarily important. It's still quieting the default mode network. It's still, you know, stimulating the the growth of new dendrites in the brain. It's still working on the glutamate receptors. Like it's still doing all the good brain stuff. But I do like to remember my experiences. I would try an intermuscular injection again and try to determine what the ideal dosage is with that one. Um, Because if maybe I had a slightly lower dose, I would be able to remember the experience. But I know the clinicians have told me that can be a challenge, getting people to have a high enough dose to dissociate, but a low enough dose that they remember. The most talked about clinic that performs intramuscular IM ketamine treatments is Field Trip Health, the company where Dr. Bridget Carnahan works and serves as the director of the clinic here in Seattle. While the most expensive, while the most expensive option patients will consider, Field Trip also provides the most therapeutic support. Field Trip's ketamine-assisted therapy protocol combines ketamine therapy with follow-up talk therapy sessions under the supervision of a dedicated team of medical and mental health professionals. A series of treatments with Field Trip starts with a medical screening with Dr. Carnahan or a similar medical practitioner at your local Field Trip clinic. Then two separate sessions with the therapist to learn about the patient's goals and prepare them for treatment. In a fourth session, patients are injected with ketamine, are given a blindfold and headphones, and the psychedelic journey ensues, lasting about two hours. In a fifth session, they reflect on the experience with the therapist. Dr. Carnahan compares in-clinic intramuscular administration of ketamine with an at-home sublingual lozenge. So sometimes when we work with people in the clinic, we're using very low doses, even though it's an intramuscular injection, um, you know, just based on that individual's needs, you know, like what we're doing for them, what we're working with them psychotherapeutically on, they're interested in. Um, some people will do what's considered a more psycholytic or low dose where they're still engaged and able to process um, mentally memories or what's going on experientially for them and they can interact with their therapist during their ketamine journey. And so, you know, there's a variety of different intensities or dosages that we're working with in the clinical setting. Similar to a ketamine lozenge, the final method of ketamine administration, nasal spray, also absorbs the active compound through the mucosal membranes. But before we totally jump into ketamine nasal spray, this is the right time to inform you that not only are there different ways to administer ketamine, but there are different types of ketamine. I bring this up now because every company that provides ketamine-assisted therapy we've discussed, despite the different routes of administration, each provides the same type of ketamine. More on that as I continue. Ketamine nasal spray is where this diverges, and to better understand why, let's jump into the science and the monetization of science. First, a quick ketamine chemistry lesson. Ketamine is a chiral compound. Simply put, this means ketamine has a right side and a left side. Imagine you put your right hand out in front of you and then place your left hand on top. They're not congruent when stacked on top of one another palm face down. The left and the right side of ketamine is also different in their 3D orientation. The left side is called S-ketamine and the right side R-ketamine. Because they have different shapes, they bind in the body and brain differently. So R and S ketamine are metabolized by our bodies differently. Preliminary research suggests that the greater implications of this difference range from one, providing better outcomes for depression symptoms to the other, to a higher likelihood of abuse. While the limited research that's been completed does indicate the differences are significant, the current evidence needs further investigation. So I'm not going to do a deep dive in this 
episode, but I expect to follow up with more information in the months to come. For our purposes in this episode, to get to your right high, this is what you need to know. Every type of ketamine discussed so far, lozenges, IV, and IM, deliver the same type of ketamine to patients, racemic ketamine, which includes both R and S ketamine. Nevertheless, all types of ketamine work in the brain the same way. A review of what we learned in the previous episode. Ketamine targets a glutamate receptor called the NMDA receptor, which we learned about in last week's episode. An important point to include here, when I'm talking about ketamine nasal spray, I'm not referring to the liquid ketamine nasal spray passed between friends who are consuming ketamine for recreational purposes. The ketamine nasal spray we're going to discuss here goes by the brand name Spravato and is the only FDA-approved ketamine treatment. Every other modality to discussed earlier in this episode is being prescribed off-label because racemic ketamine, although FDA approved since 1970 for medical use as an analgesic, has not been approved for treating depression. Spurvato is FDA approved, prescribed by a psychiatrist or psychiatric nurse practitioner, and administered in a controlled environment. It is self-administered intranasally in a ketamine nasal therapy clinic under the care and supervision of an on-site registered nurse or trained technician. Currently, the U.S. government has only endorsed Provado, which is formulated with only S-ketamine, thereby allowing its makers, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, a division of Johnson & Johnson, to patent its formulation. Kaya elaborates. To speak on Spravato and the S-ketamine molecule, you know, ketamine has been around since 1970. You can't patent it. It's a crystal. It's very abundant. It's easy to make from some natural elements. It can't be patented. So for any pharmaceutical company to be able to make money from ketamine, they had to make what's called a mirror molecule, and then they could patent that. In 2019, after four clinical trials, Spravato received FDA approval to treat TRD, treatment-resistant depression, with later approval to treat MDD, major depressive disorder. And so, with FDA approval for these specific conditions, patients must meet qualifying criteria related to TRD and MDD. And so, with FDA approval for S-ketamine for these specific conditions, patients must meet qualifying criteria related to TRD and MDD, whereas patients who opt for the off-label use of racemic ketamine may do so because they're seeking treatment for OCD or PTSD, etc. The big difference? FDA approval means that your insurance company is more likely to cover treatment. See how this works? But this endorsement from the government doesn't mean that Spravato is necessarily superior. For one, Spravato's bioavailability is half of IV racemic ketamine and nearly half of intramuscular racemic ketamine administration. Additionally, according to one study, researchers found that IV racemic ketamine had a longer antidepressant effect for patients with depression. Additionally, it has lower dropouts due to adverse events. Therefore, if you're looking for the most effective treatment with minimal adverse effects, racemic ketamine could be your best option. In our next episode, we're going to explore the third and final phase of ketamine-assisted therapy, integration, which begins in the 24 to 48 hours following ketamine administration. I leave you with today's trip tips, a comparison of different types of ketamine administration discussed in this episode. Potency. The more potent, the more likely dissociation and hallucinations will occur. Potency comes down to bioavailability. How much ketamine is absorbed by our body is a direct result of how it enters our body. IV provides the highest absorption at 100%. Intramuscular has a close 95%, yet IV allows for a more accurate, consistent dose. Spravato nasal spray has half the bioavailability.
availability of IV or IM, and a lozenge has half of nasal spray or a quarter of IV or IM. Frequency. How often do you need to receive ketamine treatments? IV administration typically consists of six infusions spread out over two or three weeks. Signing up for IM at a field trip clinic, patients receive six ketamine sessions plus four to six integration sessions. Spravato. How long between doses? The recommended frequency of dosing with Spravato is twice per week for four weeks. The protocol for at-home ketamine therapy in the form of a lozenge varies. WonderMed ships four lozenges to be used in a session one time per week for a month. Patients may continue this course of treatment every week for up to three, even six months. Some patients may opt to have a month-long round of treatments, take a break for a year, then have a refresh round. The prescribed protocol varies depending on the patient's needs, desired outcome. And finally, the cost. IV ketamine treatments range from $350 to $700 each. The most robust ketamine treatment option is IM Clinic Field Trip, with the price tag of $5,200 to $7,200, roughly $1,000 per treatment session. Ketamine nasal spray cost? Spravato ranges from $4,700 to $6,700 for the first month of treatment, and then $2,300 to $3,500 in the months that follow. This shakes out to $590 to $885. per dose, which adds up when taking regular doses. But as I mentioned earlier, esketamine, the active ingredient in Spravato, is almost always covered by insurance, including Medicare, as it's FDA approved. To be eligible for insurance coverage for esketamine, you need to have tried at least two other antidepressants without benefit. The first course of treatment I received through WonderMed was $400 for four lozenges. I've linked to WonderMed's eligibility survey in the show notes of this episode. After completing the eligibility survey, enter code the high guide at checkout for 20% off your first four at-home ketamine lozenges. Other at-home ketamine telehealth company we discussed, KetaMD, which Kaya Roman co-founded, a standard package includes six nurse-guided treatments and a cost of $1,299. Thank you for listening to this episode of The High Guide. I'm your host, April Pride. Please check out our website, thehigh.guide, for our shroom strain reviews and guide to psilocybin. Tune in next Friday for another episode of The High Guide, a show all about women changing their lives thanks to altered states of consciousness. 